So last week we started our series looking at those things that keep us from being able to serve and honor God. Those things that hold us back, those things that keep us from soaring and being able to be the people that Christ calls us and created us to be. Those things that keep us from knowing the freedom that we hear in 2 Corinthians 3.17. We hear where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we began, began asking the question of how can we release the tether of those things? Last week we looked at the tether of anxiety and ego and the fact that for many of us we struggle with anxiety because we are deeply rooted in the desire to control. And to control things, to control our very lives. And today we're going to look at something that I think that we all carry with us and to some degree, some sort of regret. Now for many of us, as we think about our lives, we may have some, some slight regrets, some petty regrets, if you will, of, of some fashion choices that we decided to make or of, of music choices that we listened to growing up. But we also may have some more serious regrets of time missed with people that are no longer here, of relationships lost, of decisions made and things said. And regret so often for many of us feels like what we hear in Psalm 38 verse 4 where it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And we find ourselves saying, I'd love to move forward, but I have this burden. It's too heavy to bear and I can't move forward. Now, some of you are hearing this and saying, I'm good, I can move forward. But I would dare say that there are always those things in our past that have a tendency to weigh on us. And you aren't over your past if it's still impacting your present and your future. So what do we do with regret? In 2 Corinthians, in the 7th chapter, beginning in verse 8, we hear these words, Even though my letter hurts you, I don't regret it. Well, I did regret it just a bit because I see that 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 letter made you sad, though only for a short time. Now I'm glad, not because you were sad, but because you were made sad enough to change your hearts and lives. You felt godly sadness so that no one was harmed by us in any way. Godly sadness produces a changed heart and life that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. But sorrow under the influence of the world produces death. Look at what this very experience of godly sadness has produced in you. Such enthusiasm, what a desire to clear yourselves of blame. Such indignation, what fear, what purpose, such concern, what justice. In everything you have shown yourselves to be innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it wasn't for the sake of you, of the one who did wrong or for the sake of the one who was wronged, but to show you your own enthusiasm for us in the sight of God. Because of this, we have been encouraged. And so this is looking at this idea of, of regret, of, of shame, 
if you will. And I'm reminded of a story I once heard about a pre- about preacher Kyle Eidelman, and he was telling a story of how he and his wife had gotten into an issue, and he had become so frustrated, so angry in this instance, that he punched a hole in his wall. And so he became obviously uh, ashamed of what he had done. This was not necessarily how he wanted to act or even normally acted, but he had to figure out what to do. So he hung a picture over the hole so as no one would ever see it. And I believe that for many of us, we are walking around with holes in our walls and we will do things to cover them up. We were, we're walking around with regrets and with shame, but we don't want to admit them. We don't want people to see them. We don't want them to be known. And what we see in our text is that regret so often is rooted in sorrow and in shame. And our, our text points us to two types of sorrow. You've got worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And you've heard this before, but worldly sorrow is the idea that like you're not upset of what you did, but you are upset that you got caught. I'm, I, I'm upset that I got in trouble. And godly sorrow is more rooted in this word that we use so often in the church of repentance. And it's this deep regret of the actions that I have done. Not that I was caught, but I'm really sorrowful that I actually did these things. Because I know that it is not who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do. Worldly sorrow it is the root of regret. It's, man, I got caught and that's why I'm upset. I wish I hadn't done that. And godly sorrow is rooted in grace and mercy. And for many of us, the problem with our regrets is that we're living in a world where we have not, we're not willing to turn our regrets over to God and we lose sight of the fact that our, even our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. We miss out on God's healing and forgiveness on this new life that God desires to give to us because we are holding on to our own regrets. And we believe that they don't have control over us, but they are keeping us from repenting and turning to God. This is the difference in regret and repentance. Or maybe it's, as I've heard it put, it's the difference in the gospel and the law. Lots of people will read the scriptures and they will read them and they will translate them as as the law. The law accuses and says that you don't measure up. It says you're not living up to what you're supposed to. But we can't read just the law, with, but we must read the law through the lens of the gospel because as we hear, Jesus came to create a new law, to create a new covenant. And the gospel is the good news that Christ has fulfilled the law to completion. And when we are in Christ, there is no longer condemnation, but there is forgiveness. And for many of us, we have not accepted this forgiveness. We live in a world of law. We live in a world of worldly sorrow. And we live in a world in which we may say that we accept the forgiveness of someone else, but we don't forgive ourselves. 
we we continue to to hold ourselves to this higher standard. We we, we continue to play God in our own lives and say, I I know that I'm forgiven, but I don't, I'm not going to forgive myself. And we hold on to it, and and we never let it go, and it continues to dictate who we are and what we do. And, and we need to be honest with ourselves when we profess the grace of Jesus Christ in the in the trans and the transformation that it can have in our lives, if we are really willing to accept it, if we are really willing to come with a godly sorrow, then, then it is a call to repent and not to just say, I'm going to say I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to hold on to it, but to turn away from and remove ourselves from it. And, and to, as, as Scripture says, Jesus has cast our sins so far as the east is from the west. What would it look like if we were able to do this for ourselves? But for many of us, we live, as I said, in a law world. That law that accuses us. It, it leads us to think that, that what we must do because we have done something wrong is we must double down on, on doing better. And on, on better actions, on, on service, on indeed, so that, so that we aren't judged by the bad thing that we did do, but we're judged more so about the numerous good things that we are doing. And that's the wrong reason to dive into doing service and love of God and neighbor. We're called to do that because we are seeking to serve and honor God, not to cover up something that we didn't or that we did do. It's kind of like I heard it said this way: Imagine that you go on a run with someone, and they're much faster than you, and they're outrunning you, and all of a sudden you start to realize, oh man, I, I can't keep up. And for many of us, this is our root, the root of our regret, is that for many of us, we are looking around in our world, we're seeing what other people are doing and or not doing, and we're just trying to keep up. We're not being authentic with who we are, but we're trying to be like someone else. And we find ourselves living in a world of keep up, keep up keep up and when we take a step back when we fall or when we stumble we beat ourselves up because all we are doing is falling further and further back and we view it as a race and God says no just be who I called you to be you can't change your past but God can change your future if you allow God's grace to fill your life for many of us we are walking around in a world filled with regret. And what it looks like is I was reading an article one day about a South Indian monkey trap. And you may be wondering, what is a South Indian monkey trap? Well, a South Indian monkey trap is a hollowed out coconut with a hole in it that's just big enough um, that a hand can fit in it, but a fist can't come out. And so what they'll do is they'll take these coconut shells and they'll put something in them that the monkeys would want, and then when the monkey reaches in and grabs whatever is inside the shell, they can't pull it out because their fist can't come out. And for many of us, this is what happens in our own lives. is we start to believe we are what we've done, instead of believing we are who God calls us and created us to be, we, we start to, to cling to those things that even though we don't necessarily want to be known by them, we, we reach into our past and we hold on to those we're trapped, not unable to let go, but and unable to be free. We, we become 
so caught up in holding on to the past that we can't be set free to go into the future. We hold so much on to regret that we can't repent. For many of us, we, this, we're harvesting of this regret because we can't forgive ourselves. Because we, we, can't, we don't know how to move forward. And so we don't accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because forgiveness requires repentance. And we, so for many of us, cling to whatever it was, whatever it is, whatever the, this regret is. And so we cannot move forward because we are so caught up in our past. We're not willing to allow ourselves to let go. But we've become trapped by the very thing that we want to be removed from. And it's because we're unwilling to forgive ourselves. I said last week that maybe we need to, to cut ourselves some slack. And, and I think that's true here as well. That we need to stop uh, allowing our past to dictate who we are and say, God, you know my past, you know everything about me, and you love me anyway, and so I give it all over to you, seeking to move forward, to release the tether, to be who it is that you call me to be. And to repent. As we hear in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's a very familiar verse for many of us. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Not the race that somebody else is running. Not, not trying to keep up. But letting the stuff that's happened in your past go. And saying, God, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I've strayed from who you call me to be. But who I was is not who I'm going to be. Because who I'm going to be is I'm going to release. And, I, and I'm, this thing that has trapped me for so long and kept me from being able to, I'm going to repent from it, oh God. I'm no longer going to live in this worldly sorrow. But I'm going to seek godly sorrow, which calls me to turn away from this. And to seek after you with all I am. And to know that your forgiveness is sufficient. And if, you're forg- and if you have forgiven me, oh God, it's about time that I forgive myself. My challenge for us this week is to think about those regrets that we have in our lives. Find some symbolic way to leave them in the past. And to go forth seeking to be who God created and calls you to be. Amen.